Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to a special extended edition of Question and Answer with Bishop Julian Porteous. And once again, we have with us myself, Jeremy Ambrose, and Jovina Graham. Hello there, Cradio listeners. And as we said, this is a special extended edition because we are looking into the Royal Commission into Institutional Response to Sexual Abuse. And as we all know, this, is, this has caused a lot of controversy uh, and, a, and a lot of attention from the media. So, Bishop Julian, can we start by asking you, what is this Royal Commission exactly, and what does it have to do with the Catholic Church? Uh, yes, Jeremy. Late, late last year, um, the Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, made the decision to, uh, to hold a Royal Commission into institutional response, so the, the response of institutions in Australia to the sexual abuse of children. Uh, the reason this was... Um, this decision was taken was because in the months, uh, latter part of last year, for several months, there was a fairly intense uh, media campaign, I suppose we could say, um, where a lot of issues related to not just the incidence of sexual abuse of children, but rather how institutions, and in particular a lot of focus was on the Catholic Church, how the Catholic Church uh, responded to um, its knowledge of members of the church who may be involved with the sexual abuse of, of children. And, uh, and because it was such an intense media campaign in relation to it, the Prime Minister decided that we'll, we'll have, she would uh, hold a royal commission to, uh, to investigate this, this whole area. So to clarify, this isn't about the actual fact of sexual abuse but rather the response of these institutions to it. That's correct. That's correct. In fact, in one sense, you could say that it's only looking at one particular aspect of, of, of sexual abuse, and that is uh, in relation to institutions. So it's not looking at sexual abuse in families. And, and as, as probably many people are aware, the major location for sexual abuse, very sadly, is within family or, or friendship relationships. Um, but this particular commission, so it's, it's not looking just at sexual abuse, but rather examining how well various institutions in Australia responded to issues within their own organisations. Now, most of the media campaign focused on the Catholic Church, but this Royal Commission isn't just going to examine how the Catholic Church handled um, cases of, of sexual abuse, but it will involve all institutions in, uh, in Australia. So it will be looking at, um, obviously, educational institutions. It could be looking at uh, hospitals. It could be um, looking at various organisations um, that uh, are directly involved with, uh, with, with children, with, with adolescents, and uh, see how all of them dealt with knowledge that they came by uh, of cases or, or purported cases of sexual abuse uh, within their organisation. 
All right, Bishop Julian. So now that we've established kind of what the parameters and, and the um, instigate and the reasons for this Royal Commission into this institutional response is, look, I just want to say as as a as a person in society, the, the mo- most of the feedback or the knowledge that I've been the opinions about this the this Royal Commission that I've been getting, and I think most of us would say the same, have been from the mainstream media themselves. Mm. And what we often hear is a cries of cries of anger really that the church has done nothing to prevent this abuse in the past is this the case have have we really done nothing well i think one of the the issues of course is is many times particular instances that are raised say through the media do refer to cases that uh, took place quite a few years ago um, and we do have to make a distinction between what the church does now and the way the church uh, handled issues, um, say, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, now, one of the things that um, is, is, is quite clear is, is that society as a whole was not really conscious of the extent of sexual abuse of children and, um, and, and certainly probably did not understand enough about the, the terrible damage that uh, an experience of sexual abuse has upon a child. In, in a lot of ways, it was a taboo subject, particularly if it was involved familial relationships. It was just something that wasn't spoken about in the family or, or, or whatever. And that tended to be the attitude during the society. I mean, I mean, for many people, it was something that they weren't even aware of, they didn't even understand this sort of thing could could happen. It was something not spoken about. You know, sometimes we speak about the unspeakable crime, you know? Yes. In, in one sense, sadly, sexual abuse was almost considered unspeakable because it was such a terrible thing. And, and so one of the issues was that the church was also part of a society and the uh, attitudes in the society were were such that there was an awareness that that this was something which we didn't talk about a great deal. And I think this is one of the reasons why um, the church has and, and, and recognises now very clearly that it didn't adequately respond to cases in the past. And it's not fair to say the church has done nothing. In fact, the church has done an enormous amount to, to seek to address these questions. When we became more conscious of it, when we came to understand the seriousness of it, and, and when we were alerted more and more to the incidence of it in society. Because one of the other issues was that in times past, it was rarely reported. It wasn't so much that, um, that authorities were, were told of, its, uh, of it taking place. It was one of those things that was often just kept under wraps. People were embarrassed, and particularly, and this is very sadly, many victims of sexual abuse didn't feel they could take it forward or didn't know where they could take it forward to, didn't know who would be able to listen to them sympathetically. And, and so uh, we, I don't think we could take the church out of the general situation of the society and say the church failed. At the same time, we have to say the church did fail. It did not respond as adequately as it should. And certainly now, in hindsight, and certainly now with a greater awareness of these issues, a greater understanding of them, we see how far short we fell 
in, in responding to it. But it's not a fair criticism to say the church has done nothing mm. uh, in relation to, to sexual abuse. I find one of the things you, you said just just then was was quite interesting to me because in my generation, I think growing up, sexual abuse of children has always been a fact. And it's interesting to, for us to know that it was only really in, in that kind of period of the 90s, did you say, that mm. we became more aware of it? The, the issue really emerged in the 1990s and it, it eventually led to, uh, for instance, the, the Wood Royal Commission in New South Wales, which looked at um, uh, the whole question of sexual abuse and led to a number of uh, changes in practices in, in the government and new rules and regulations. But it was something which um, which has emerged certainly over a, a period of time now, but it wasn't something that uh, I think many people would say who, who grew up, say, my own generation, I had no idea of, of, of this um, uh, being, being an issue. So, so I think it's important to get a historical perspective on it. It, it doesn't in any way justify particularly instances of sexual abuse. It's, it's, a, it's a horrendous thing because it does so much damage to 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 the to the victim, and and in a particular way, it's a cause of great shame for the church to know that that um, people who have given their lives to the service of of God and the church have fallen into this particular what is a crime. It's a terrible crime, and and of course, there's a great betrayal of trust associated with it, which makes it all the more serious when it's a, somebody who belongs to the church. There is no way we can ever say that this is not something that is very, very serious. Now we're more conscious of it, and, and now, and, and certainly since the 1990s, the church has made very, very serious efforts to address to address the issue. Mm. So what have, have these been sort of um, parish-by-parish kind of efforts, or has, it, has there been a more systemic kind of program to respond to child abuse when the, when the church became more aware of it? Perhaps there's one thing I could mention. It, it's, it's a question of the whole church, particularly the bishops in, in their role of leadership of the church have sought to, uh, to address. It's probably important to say that, um, as you know, in the church that we have canon law. As, uh, so as well as the church abiding by the laws of the land, we also have our own internal laws. There, there was provision in canon law, not, not specifically for child sexual abuse, but for, for serious sins or crimes committed by members of the church, members of the clergy or people who, who are working in the name of the church. There, there were um, in canon law procedures that could be followed. But I think, again, because there wasn't a deep consciousness of of the reality of of sexual abuse, people weren't aware so much of these uh, these um, uh, ways in which the canon law could be applied, and and so one of the things was that we there weren't clear protocols, clear uh, ways of responding to it, and and um, and I think often the case was that uh, and, and very very sadly, and I think this is one of the the terrible things that when things emerged that priests may have been guilty of this or there were a bishop received reports that uh, 
Father X, there's some question about Father X's relationships with, with children and so on, that um, the bishop didn't have at, at his disposal clear procedures and practices uh, that he could follow. And so, so sometimes it was a case that they say, look, we'll just move the priest from here, um, feeling that that might resolve the problem. Well, often it didn't because the priest then was in a situation where there could be a repeat uh, abuse in another location. And, and the church is, is now very aware of how serious that was a failure and a shortcoming on, on the part of the church in effectively dealing, dealing with it. And so priests were um, moved around. Um, however, that is no longer the case. Um, and since the mid-1990s, when the church came to grips with this issue, uh, changes, procedures, practices were put in place in which uh, uh, the church more adequately dealt with uh, instances where priests or, or church personnel were accused of uh, child sexual abuse. Okay, so in the mid-90s, um, things started to happen. What, what were the responses? What, what did the church do at that point? Well, as, as the church became more conscious uh, of the seriousness of the issue, the first thing that the, the church did was to begin to look at how we could develop particular procedures with regard to um, child sexual abuse. That um, out of it came uh, some documents in, in 1996. There was very significant document developed by the bishops of Australia uh, called Towards Healing. And this was a, a, a set of procedures, a set of practices that were to be followed by a diocese, by a bishop, whenever uh, there was a report of, uh, of sexual abuse of children by a member of the clergy or by somebody in the, in the employment or engaged in the work of the church. So this really marked... Um, a, a watershed moment, if you like, for the church's response. Uh, we have to say that prior to 1996, with, without having those protocols in place, there were many, many failures. Um, but since 1996, the procedures were there. One would hope that they were followed. Uh, I think they substantially have been. There may be in, individual instances where they weren't followed correctly or there was... Um, some oversight, but generally we could say since 1996, so almost 20 years now, mm. the church has sought to seriously address this question and particularly its concern has been to protect uh, children from exposure to somebody who, um, who's been guilty of uh, sexual abuse of children. Okay. So now that there is so much openness and honesty on the part of the church towards what has happened... Do we look back with, with, with shame, or do we? How do we, how do we deal with what's happened in the mm, past? Really, mm. I, I think I think the first thing that we do need to 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 humbly and honestly acknowledge is that we have made mistakes in the past in relation to adequately sometimes just hearing claims of sexual abuse because sometimes the, the victims 
were dismissed. Oh, no, Father couldn't have done that, or uh, you're imagining it, or whatever. Again, because there wasn't sufficient awareness. So the church did fail to listen to victims. The church did fail to recognise that what the victims have suffered. And the church has failed to, to, to adequately support and help victims who, uh, who have suffered at the hands of somebody in the name of the church. So we have to say, and we say that we have failed in this area in the past, and we realise that um, we've we've done we've caused great suffering to take place in the lives of, of some of some people. We're also aware that um, in the past, with regard to perpetrators, we didn't adequately understand even the nature of of, of such a I have to say really a perversion of somebody's of somebody's behaviour and and. Uh, and two of conscience, we didn't understand it sufficiently to realise uh, how serious it was and the possible damage they could do. So we realised we did fail to adequately um, address those questions in the lives of perpetrators to, to withdraw them from uh, potential uh, further damage to other, to other children. So I think the first thing the church would do would be to humbly acknowledge its its failures and to recognise too that the church um, does have within it sinners, sometimes sinners who can do great harm to people. Bishop Julian, it seems that, uh, that we're always hearing about stories of sexual abuse always to do with Catholic priests. Why is this the case? Why is it that there seems to be so many priests who've fallen into this this crime, this sin? Mm. Probably, uh, firstly, I'd say that, that, as I said before, for, for a priest, uh, it's, it's, it's doubly terrible, if you can say it that way, in the sense that not only has there been a violation of, of, the, of, of a child's innocence by, by such a, an act, but also a priest has a particular relationship with people, which is based on trust, and and they they do stand as uh, as representatives of God, and and all that God stands for goodness, truth, beauty, and so on, and so there is that almost double damage, if you like, that is done by the act of, of a priest. Um, however, I, I think it's also important to say that um, that while uh, and at the present moment. Many of these cases are presented to us very graphically in the in the media and so on, and we see the the, the terrible um, uh, situations that have caused so much harm to people. Excuse me for people. We also have to be aware of the fact that um, when we look at the the total number of priests um, across uh, Australia, across um, any particular diocese. Um, that the, the the number of priests who who have are guilty of this is is a relatively small number, and there are one or two dioceses where there are a larger percentage, uh, and it's hard to understand why that's been the case, but certainly looking at things as a whole, uh, the number is, um, and certainly from studies in the United States, the number of priests who have been charged with uh, pedophilia, acts of pedophilia, are uh, a smaller percentage than would find in the, the national average, if you like. Mm. 
It's never to justify it, but it's not it's not something which is, if you like, endemic in the priesthood by any means. It's not something that is more present among priests than it is among the general population. Um, that in no way they can ever justify this violation of of priestly um, service and and the, the damage that it does to people, um, not only in terms of their their own um, their own life, but also in terms of their faith, their relation with God. And many people suffer very greatly because they felt they've been somehow damaged in their relation with God as well through these acts. But we can't, uh, unfortunately, because there's been so much attention given to the failures of priests, um, in, in many people's minds, it's, it's created an, an imbalance in their understanding of, of, of the problem across society as, as a whole. And indeed, in many other institutions, you know, there's been a focus on the Catholic Church, but there are many other institutions where there's also sometimes some very serious problems. So... I think one of the difficulties with all the media attention has been that there's been a skewed understanding of its of its presence and significance in relation to um, priests within the church. I guess in a sense the, the pendulum has, has gone to the other side because as you were saying before all, all of this became public and before the world really knew what this thing was, this thing called sexual abuse, um, at the same time people looked up to priests with a lot of respect and in the same way that the church perhaps was confused with, you know, with different claims that were made, or um, you know, when when people came forward to talk about priests, I guess also society in general probably, you know, held priests up to such a high degree that they perhaps didn't believe it either. Mm. Um, but I guess now everything's changed, and it's the opposite. In fact, I think a lot of priests are looked at with suspicion now mm. uh, because of all of this. It has been a very difficult time. For priests at the present moment, and I do know that um, many priests are really struggling. They, they struggle with it because they they feel that uh, somehow that they're responsible, or, or just simply they're under suspicion. Um, uh, and, and many very good priests who who have devoted themselves very faithfully and very well to the service of people can feel a bit awkward, a bit un uncertain, uh, sometimes just in the presence of children, or sometimes in, in social situations, you can be wondering what people think of you. Do they, do they trust you? Do they have confidence in you? Or do they wonder whether are you somehow subject to this? Um, so it certainly has been, uh, and is at the present moment, a very difficult time for priests. Um, and, and certainly if we were on any pedestal before, we're not now. Yeah. Um, in, in one sense, it's, it's almost the opposite, that we, uh, we, we find ourselves um, being questioned and under suspicion and, and, uh, and, and, and feeling very much tainted by the, the, by the sins and the crimes of some of our brethren in the priesthood and in religious life. Now, you mentioned... 1996 and towards healing now that was a number of years ago uh, what's what's been done to make sure that this process isn't outdated or that you know? the, the bishops um, work very hard to 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 work out um, protocols that these protocols were aimed firstly at 
listening to victims. It's one of the very important aspects of Towards Healing. That's why it's called Towards Healing. So it has an orientation towards the victim because it is true one of the issues before was that many people didn't believe victims or, or, or couldn't accept what they were saying. So one of the very important things about Towards Healing was to give a victim a chance of speaking, of being listened to respectfully, um, and uh, and then um, a process by which that the, the uh, information was then uh, tested and and a response was made. And towards healing was very much seen in uh, in the light of of, of being a uh, a pastoral response. We, 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 as a church, we want to recognise uh, what suffering a victim may have experienced and then to and then to seek to respond to it it also set up systems whereby um, communication was passed fairly quickly to the bishop um, a recommendation was was made about what response should be made immediately uh, to the situation um, in some cases where there seems to be quite credible evidence that this was the case uh, then the uh, the bishop can act and, and and ask the the priest to, to stand aside while there is proper um, investigation um, took place. Um, over the years, uh, in the light of experience, there's been two uh, revisions of towards healing. In in 1999, 2000, there was a revision, and again in 2008, 2009, there was a revision. Just tweaking it, just just improving it in the light of experience to ensure that. That this uh, procedure was the best that we uh, could have to, to, as I said, firstly support victims, and secondly to provide um, uh, procedures for bishops to adequately respond to claims of, of sexual abuse. So this towards hearing process, it's it's the first step in, in it all. It's not the last step. No, it's a it's the first step. Um, as you're aware too, that particularly um, in the light of the Wood Royal Commission in 1997, uh, where there was um, various other uh, requirements put in place, one of the things that's important in New South Wales is that now um, all cases, uh, all, all claims of sexual abuse have to be reported to the Ombudsman. So that's now uh, a law in New South Wales. So it means that... Um, that uh, and it's also a requirement that that it's reported to the police. So the church now quite stringently uh, obeys those 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 laws to say that when a um, when a claim is made, then the two authorities, the police, uh, are informed, and the um, and the ombudsman is also informed. Okay, so. I thought the Towards Healing program being in process would, would be enough, but no, victims also need to go to the police. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <clears throat> towards Healing is, is not a substitute for the processes of justice. So, so there can be, if you like, Towards Healing has a, has a particular focus on the, the needs of the, the victim, or respect for the victim, and, and also it, it does assist the bishop in preliminary steps in his own response to uh, uh, to a claim of sexual abuse, but um, it's it's not un seen to be a um, substitute to um, 
to process of justice because basically a sexual abuse of a child is a crime. So it's it's something then that has to be uh, reported to the police. And the the church now is very aware that any complaint of sexual abuse needs to be reported to the police and and we encourage uh, victims to do that, to, to go along and, and report to the police, and, and we're willing to help them do that. So through we have an office for professional standards, and um, if, um, and if the person themselves doesn't want to go to the police because of embarrassment or whatever, then, um, then the, the um, professional standards office would, would do that. If a, person, um, if a person doesn't want, because sometimes because it's, um, they, they don't want their name they, they, uh, released, they don't want um, to be directly, to make any direct um, claim against somebody, we, 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 ask, we ask them to let us, let the police know of the actual events or the, the incidents that they uh, would say happened, but we don't have to give their name in if they don't. The police then know, they have, if like, intelligence that, that this particular person has been accused of this particular crime, and sometimes if it's um, a, a person has a serious problem, it may be that there are other people who have made similar complaints. So it gives further strength to the possibility of the police proceeding with a prosecution. Okay. And just more on this towards healing um, process, is it all within the church or is there any sort of outside body that monitors it? Um, the the process itself um, is 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 within the church, but but we have a um, in the, in the Archdiocese of Sydney, we do have a an independent committee which is chaired by a retired New South Wales Supreme Court judge who advises the Archbishop. So um, sometimes issues can be placed before him for for guidance. But lastly, we would say <clears throat> this is the church's effort to to help victims, but we also then comply completely with the requirements of, of the law and we report all instances that come to our notice now um, clearly to the police and okay. the ombudsman. Okay. So with this process in place, nowadays what happens to priests accused of sexual abuse? In the case uh, of a priest, uh, if there's a credible um, accusation, um, the the the, uh, the person who's immediately responsible for that priest in, in the case of a diocesan priest it'd be the the bishop of the diocese it'd be the leader of a religious order in the case of somebody who belongs to a religious order they are informed of of the um, uh, of the of the case and and recommendation to say this is a credible credible claim um, according to the the law uh, now somebody who has had um, a claim made against them, cannot be in a position to continue to be uh, involved with children. So a priest in a parish would automatically not be able to continue their, uh, their ministry. Um, so normally, normally what would happen is, is that a priest would be uh, um, either stood aside if there's very, very strong evidence, or if there's maybe some uncertainty, they might say, could you please stand aside while, there is, while the police investigate this further? Um, and, then once, and then the police then have to make a decision about whether they will prosecute. 
mm -hmm. uh, in the case of a, of a crime. So Bishop Julian, I guess the most important person in all of this really is the victim and in looking after the victim. So what assistance does the church offer? What can the church do for the victim? As I said already, the, the, the towards healing process seeks particularly to, to respect the, uh, the victim and to provide them with uh, a chance of a, of a sympathetic hearing uh, and, and, a, and a recognition of the fact that it may be, they may speak about something which is very, very painful and been very damaging in their life. Um, the church then would want to assist the victim as best it can. And so particularly when it's very, very clear that, that the, the victim has been the subject of, of sexual abuse that has done damage to them, one of the very first things we would say is, can we, we want to help you? And, and, and one of the things that many victims do need is, is some form of, of counselling, of, of support to help them overcome the damage that's been done to them. So certainly at that level, the church would, um, would offer, and, and sometimes for many years, the church will, will, will support and pay for any, um, any ongoing counselling or, or any support that the person has. Sometimes people have been so damaged by it that their life has gone off the rails a bit, uh, and, and again, the church would recognise that perhaps there are deeper issues in the, in the person's life that need they need support, and so in some cases the, the church has um, has sought to offer quite substantial amounts of support, financial support uh, for the for the victim. Apart from financial support, then, and, and I guess the counselling, I mean. Is there anything else that can be done for the for the victim and, and their relationship, I guess, with, with the church? One of the things we've found from experience has been that for many victims, the most important thing for them uh, has been the opportunity to be listened to, to be heard, and to be respected. Some many people don't necessarily want anything more than that, but they. they they feel they're carrying like a burden, they're carrying a pain, they're carrying something which has been sometimes buried quite deep within them. And the very fact that they are listened to and, and respected can often be that, that source of healing uh, and, and, and maybe the means by which they feel somehow reconnected with the church because this, um, this experience has cut them off from the church and, 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 and maybe cut them off from God and they're trying to find a way to restore the damage that's been done. And, and, and so I don't think we should ever underestimate just the very fact of a person being able to tell their story and, and, and to reveal their pain. And, and, and sometimes for the church to say, we ask your forgiveness for this that has happened to you, can be a significant healing for the person. So I don't think that should ever be uh, underestimated. And so we certainly want to do what we can to, to help victims. And I mean, hearing your answers and hearing you speak, Bishop, you know, I think that comes across quite evidently that the church does want to help victims. But if that's the case, um, I mean, it's also been said that, you know, the Cardinal was apprehensive about the Royal Commission. Um, 
before it was announced. I mean, is this is this true? What's what's the story with, with that? Does yeah. the church have anything to fear? The, 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 in, in many respects, we're very grateful that, that the Royal Commission is taking place because there has been, particularly through the media, uh, quite intense level of accusation made against the church, made against individuals like the Cardinal. There's been um, many, many claims of the church not adequately responding to, to issues of sexual abuse, to individuals and, and so on. So... Uh, and we've been through a fairly intense period of, of very heavy criticism and, and negativity uh, towards the church. When this was announced, the, the bishops universally said, good, look, we're glad this is happening. We know it will be painful because many things will be revisited. We know that, um, that the media will again bring up a lot of things. Many of them will be repeats of things in the past, but they'll come again and and, and many people in the society will be once again confronted by, by the failures of individual priests or, or the failures of the authorities of the church when they didn't adequately deal with, with matters. Um, however, we do think that in the longer term, it, it will be good to have, if you like, the whole thing brought out and, and, and presented in the open and, and hopefully presented in a fair and just way. One of the things that the... Um, the, the bishops um, particularly want. We we formed a commission just to uh, to to work with the, the royal commission, uh, and this um, particular uh, committee just of, of a number of people. We've chosen the, as to describe what we want. We want truth, justice, and healing. So we want the truth to come out. And if we, where we failed, we want to see where we failed and, and acknowledge that. We want justice. We want justice for the for the victims. We want to ensure that justice has been done um, to anybody who has um, who has committed sexual abuse. Um, but we also want healing, um, healing for the victims first, firstly. But also, um, we hope that this will be a process of, of healing for the society and the church. That's an opportunity to to bring things out which are very distasteful and will be very painful, but um, we believe it's necessary to bring about or to begin processes where we may have more effective healing um, within the church and within society. Bishop, thank you for, for all that you've said so far in helping us kind of open up this issue and bring some things that are probably not mentioned very often to light in a very honest manner. I'm wondering, well, first of all, is there anything that we as young Catholics can, can read or reflect on now that will help us to understand kind of in a virtuous manner these issues? Mm. I think it's, um, it is important to see this, this moment in the church, which will be a very painful time for the church, and the Royal Commission will probably... Um, extended over some period of time and so it will be a, a painful period for, for over a period of time for, for the church but um, we're also aware that um, this can also be a time of, um, of purification for the church certainly it can help it will bring us all to a greater level of, of humility we, we, we'll, we will acknowledge the church has failed has sinned Certain members have, have done 
unspeakable crimes. We, we acknowledge this. But we also want to, would want to say to, to, to Catholics and, and, and to say to members of the church to see this as a time of, of purification for all of us. Um, and the, the um, bishops of New South Wales uh, at the beginning of Lent this year uh, produced a pastoral letter which is entitled Sowing in Tears. Um, it was an invitation for the whole of the church to, to walk a path with the church during this time, but particularly to, to, through Lent, to respond by turning to God for his mercy, to, to turn to God, to, to recognising our own failures and shortcomings as, as a church. One of the things that I suppose we find difficult to do, we can sort of say, but that priest or that person did this unspeakable crime which damaged children so much. I'm not, I never could never do that. It's not my, it's not, uh, I shouldn't be responsible for it. But St Paul talks about the idea that he talks about the church as a body, the body of Christ. And he says in one place that if one part of the body uh, is hurt, all parts of the body are affected. And I think we feel that very acutely at the present moment. You know, when these things are brought out in public, uh, when, when, when we hear of the sins and failures uh, within the church, we all get hurt by that. So we can't just say it's something over there or something for some. Um, we, we're all part of the body of Christ. And, and it's very true that, that we will all experience um, some hurt through this. But it's also the way that we want to say as a church, that we, we all want to enter into a purification, not just to say, not just to blame one or blame another, that maybe it's a whole church we can grow in holiness. Maybe it's a whole church we can draw closer to God. Maybe it's a whole church we, we can seek to be more of what we need to be for people, for the society in which we live. So this... Um, this process, um, painful as it is, can actually be a good for all of us. And, and my, my hope is that um, through this, particularly if we turn to God in this, if, if we don't just look at it objectively and, 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 and even just be critical of, of perhaps a particular bishop who failed to do what he should have done or or just horrified by a particular instance of sexual abuse and say how terrible it is. But if all of us um, unite in turning to God and asking for mercy for God, asking and praying for the victims um, and seeking together to, to walk a path of humility, but a path by which we are purified. And so the bishops have said to, um, through this pastoral letter, have said, look, we ourselves as bishops, we're going to respond to this in various ways. We, one of the things the bishops have said, that we're going to devote one hour of prayer every Friday to, to come before Christ and the Blessed Sacrament and to intercede um, for victims, intercede for the church. And we're sort of saying to people, the Catholic people, can you join us in this? Will you also walk the same path of turning to God in the midst of this? asking 
for his mercy, his, his forgiveness, um, praying for his grace to come upon the church to strengthen and, and renew us. So while it has been something that uh, has done terrible harm to the church and, and while it has been a source of great shame for the church, it can also be an occasion of, uh, of purification and strengthening and renewing of the church. A little bit like, you know, Jesus spoke about um, that the vine has to be pruned. You know, after the, the harvest, it's pruned back and you've only got a stump left, but then out of the stump comes new life and, and new fruitfulness. My prayer is that, um, that that's what will happen. This will be a pruning time for us, but through the pruning, we can come new life, new fruitfulness for the church. That's my great prayer. But I think it it'll really will depend upon whether we as a church will take a path um, inspired by our faith, turning to God in the midst of this, and, and if you like, not just certainly not just standing back in judgment, and criticism, and condemnation of the church and its failures, but say we're, we're all part of the body of Christ. Part of the church is really part of the body is really hurting. As a whole church, we will seek a new life which can come through ultimately through the grace of God, but it's based in our humility, our, our recognition of our sins, and a genuine desire to to be purified and, and renewed. Wow. Well, you've been very generous and open and honest with us in, in exploring these issues to do with the Royal Commission and I guess more, more generally within the church on our response of the individual and 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 as a church, our spiritual response. Really, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this with us. Tonight. Thank you very much for giving me the chance and uh, just to share this, um, this time with you and, and, uh, and thank you for the questions that you've, you've raised with me this evening. That's all, folks, for this special extended edition of Q&A with Bishop Julian. Thank you. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit radio.org.au.